Welcome to an Agency Story Podcast, where we share real stories of marketing agency owners from around the world. From the excitement of starting up, the first big sale, passion, doubt, fear, freedom, and the emotional roller coaster of growth. Hear it all on an Agency Story Podcast. An Agency Story Podcast is hosted by Russell Dupree, successful agency owner with an eight-figure exit turned business coach. Enjoy the next Agency Story. Welcome to an Agency Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell. On this episode, we are joined by Jennifer Reese, the founder and president of The Sway Effect, a PR and marketing communications agency based out of New York, New York. Starting out in the big agency world via Ogilvy, Jennifer passionately shares the significance of purpose and values in her agency's work, highlighting the importance of staying true to one's beliefs and not being afraid to stand by them. A big believer in inclusivity and DEI, Jennifer shares how focusing on these dynamics produce better work and everyone is better off for it. Enjoy the story. Welcome to the show today, everyone. I have Jennifer Reese with the Sway Effect with us here today. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jennifer. Thank you. Let's get right to it. Tell us what the Sway Effect does and who do you do it for? The Sway Effect is a PR agency. We are focused on driving brand reputation while putting diversity, equity, inclusion at the center of everything we do. Our specialty is doing corporate communications. Most of our clients are C-suite or heads of state. We get to do some great storytelling with some pretty important people. All right. And like any good agency, we have to know the naming story. What's uh, behind the name? There are a lot of sways. And I wanted to call the company Sway because I came from Ogilvy. So I'm all about the one word. Because there were so many sways, I couldn't name it Sway. I actually came up with the idea to name it Sway in the shower one day. I went out for lunch with the head of the PR council, Kim Sample. I have to give her credit for it. I said, Kim, I'm bummed. I want to name the company Sway, but there's so many sways. I can't even incorporate the damn thing. Pardon my friend. She's what about effect? The sway effect. I was like, that's awesome. And then it was born. Over lunch. Can't wait to hear all the other parts of your story. But before we dive into that, let's go back in time. Is Jennifer today doing what young Jennifer thought she was going to be doing? Young Jennifer thought she would be a doctor. I love science. I loved math. And so that's what I thought I would do. And I went to Barnard College, a liberal arts school, the female college of Columbia. They didn't have communication. So I studied psychology. And then I thought I'd become a psychologist. The summer between potentially applying for grad school and graduating college, my family told me I needed to get a job. And so I did. I got a job at a PR shop at the time that was called Shanwick International. I found that I could actually do two things that I loved, which was psychology, but also being able to use the news. I love the news. I could actually use my skills to actually tell stories on behalf of my clients because I didn't even know PR existed when I was in college. People say you wind up where you're supposed to be. And I think that's what happened to me. When you took that job, we were like, this is a placeholder until I can do whatever you need to do to become a psychologist. And then it sounds like at some point that transition occurred when you found the marriage of both skill sets. It's funny. When I got the job, I was hired by this amazing woman at the time. Her name was Diane Perry. She was in corporate communications. And I think if I was placed in a different part of communications, if I was in consumer PR or tech PR, I might not have stuck. But I loved corporate communications because I got to meet 
meet some amazing senior leaders. I was doing work with very senior level executives in the C-suite, helping them tell their story. And I could tell that we were helping move conversations, helping people see perceptions of executives, moving stock prices, moving product. And I was hooked. My first placement back in the day when you actually still had the newspapers, one of my first clients was KPMG. And I walked around the office. I got a big placement in the Chicago Tribune and I showed everyone. I literally had to walk around the office. I'm like, do you see what I got? And I realized I loved it. And that was at the first three months of my job. Oh man, you got to miss newspapers. Having something tangible like that to showcase your work is always fun. Obviously, cut to the chase. You had a pretty successful career before you even started your agency. Maybe pick a couple highlights in terms of what sounds like it was a very formative career. Looking back on that, what were a couple of the foundational things that represent what you wanted to make sure you invoked when you started your business? I'm very much a, I stick. My first company, I worked for Weber Shanwick for 12 years, and then I worked for Ogilvy for eight. There goes 20 years of my career. <laughs> then I started Sway. The things that I loved the most, the formative years of my agency work is when I was at Weber Shanwick, I worked on the Mac Gates Fund back in the day when we were working on CSR driven work. But again, putting DNI and focusing on equity and equality, that was a long time ago when it wasn't in vogue to talk about these topics. I loved that work. And I loved some of the work we did with nonprofits. When I went to Ogilvy, they let me have the opportunity, in addition to my client work, to do some pro bono stuff. And I started to work with UN Women and help them create He for She. Over that time, I was then able to work with certain senior executives, giving them some coaching on how can you be more inclusive? If you're more inclusive, the work is better. You can actually make more money if you actually put DNI at the center of what you do. Not only that, but it's also the right thing to do. When I started Sway, I'd seen some things that maybe I thought could be done better from my big agency days. I was like, you know what? I want to challenge how this industry is made and how this industry works. And I said, okay, we're going to continue to do comms, but I'm going to work with brands that have similar missions, similar values, um, similar objectives that I would. And how do we put DNI at the center of everything we do? Not an afterthought, but a central part of the business strategy that we're going to communicate. Those are the brands that we work with today. I know this sounds like a great thing, whatever, but we actually do it every day. If brands don't do what they say or say who they are or are who they say, we don't work with them. Wow. Very cool. I mean, I talk to a lot of businesses and, and some start their businesses for different reasons. Sometimes that purpose aspect comes later out of necessity. What did that transition look like? Did you wake up one day and say, I'm starting an agency? Did you give yourself a, a, a plan and a runway before you actually made that transition? Tell us what those early days were like. As I said earlier, I was at Ogilvy for eight years, probably six, five years in. I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to stay in a big agency world. I think I have more of an entrepreneurial mindset. But then a lot of changes happened at Ogilvy and I was offered the job to be chief, worldwide chief communications officer and global head of media relations. So you don't say no to that. I stayed for an additional two years to get that experience under my belt. But I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew that I was better as an entrepreneur. I'm one of those people that says what they think and that's not always appreciated in the bigger companies. I wanted to create an environment where I felt comfortable, but also where I can make people be themselves and, and feel comfortable and create an authentic environment. I didn't name it Generisi Communications. I named it the Sway Effect because I wanted people to feel vested in what I was building and they could help me create something special. I would say two years prior to leaving Ogilvy, this was an idea. And then one day certain things happen when you wake up and you're like, you know what? It's time. When it all started to snowball, it happened. People always ask me, so what was your business plan? I didn't have a business plan. I built this whole company on gut instinct and by aligning myself with people that I've worked with for many years, the clients came over, the team came over, various colleagues became partners of the net of the agency. People say things happen the way that they should and it's a 
evolved. That's why I knew I was on the right path. But sounds like it was hitting the ground running from the get-go in terms of bringing clients with you or using some of those relationships. You didn't have any dreaded, oh crap, what did I do? Periods, it doesn't sound like. I couldn't bring any clients with me because I had a one-year non-compete. But I had clients that had left Ogilvy earlier that I had known through the years. And there were three clients I reached out to over LinkedIn. And three of them actually responded to me. They became our first three clients. One of my good friends who's a chief communications officer of one of our clients today who came to my launch party was in the middle of saying, I don't know if I'm going to take this job. I have this other opportunity. If I take this job, I have to give up this other opportunity that I have. I said, why don't I take it on for you? That assignment was a nine-month assignment that enabled me to be paid enough that was able to fuel the first nine months of the business. As I understand it, we don't always talk exact years and chronology on the show, but you were starting this all around 2019, which we know is before a major world event that occurred. Not much more than a year into your business or maybe less than a year, depending on when in 2019 you started. What was that like for you? It was a trip because in the beginning, things happened. It was organic, as I said. And we had a couple of clients out of the gate. I had a cool consulting assignment that was extremely lucrative that helped me to grow the business. So a lot of things, the stars aligned. I believe in karma. I believe things happen the way they should. November 2019, we were working out of the Noya house at the time. I didn't even have a proper office space yet. A friend of mine who works for a big med tech company, he reached out to me and he said, you should pitch us. We have a new CEO. We have some new stuff going on. We think you should pitch us. So I, my little lonesome self, we have the team I have now with a couple of our network partners, wrote a presentation for a big med tech player, Fortune 200. We went up against my former agency, Ovi, and another big agency and Sway won. Then the pandemic hit in March 2020. And what else would you want a med tech player on the front lines of COVID who are going to make the COVID devices at the time that became the company that sustained our business for the next two and a half, three years. We had a very smart relationship at a very opportune time. So wow. again, things happen the way they should. Good karma. Clearly. Definitely a testament. All, all of these point to the sign of really the impact and the relationships you've built over the years. I can't imagine. Or you were Mother Teresa in a past life. We, <laughs> or both. Maybe both. Uh, who knows? One of the things that was interesting when I, I found out about your story, this whole notion of working from home and what's that right balance or do we come to the office? You had a pretty cool approach to how you did that within your business, if you don't mind sharing. I was one of those people that finally had office space and I actually signed my lease at our office space in the Chrysler building. March 2020 is when I signed the lease, March 1st. For the first two years of the lease, we never were here. So it was a great <laughs> use of my, my money at the time, but we all worked remote and we figured it out, right? Then when it started to open up, we started to come back to the office. I talked with the team and I said, we're going to have a hybrid environment, but I want us as a team to decide how often we're going to come into the office. We're mostly based in New York, but we also do have other remote employees. We have someone in Austin. We have someone in Ohio. We wanted to figure out what was the right mix, but I didn't top down it. I made it be a team-wide decision of how we were going to do it. And look, we had some people that left the agency because that was not what they signed on for. But if 90% of the company wants to be in the office X amount of days during the week and somebody doesn't, then maybe it's not a cultural fit anymore. Our culture evolved. I think that the culture we've built is we rule by the team. It's not my decision. It's a team decision. We now have three specific offices in our office space. I thought I would need one more, like my office and another office. But because they all wanted to be here so much, I had to get a third office because they needed a place to work. I think it's a good problem to have. I have a coach. My coach actually said, you can't actually pay for problems like this. Can't pay for problems like that. I like that <laughs> one. Well, we've had more problems to pay for. Team and culture has obviously been very important to you 
you, even some of your inspiration you mentioned is starting around the business around inclusivity and DEI. Why has that been so important for you? It was important to me because I saw what happens when you don't think that way. That was part of the reason I left my former job. I saw a lot of things that I thought could be done better. A lot of things were, I I had a very senior job and I was told to go make some changes in the organization and there wasn't an appetite to make the changes. I saw the work was better when you're more inclusive. I hire people who all have different skill sets. Not anyone on my team does the same thing. They all are complementary and they all learn from each other. I hire people that are different from me because I want to learn too. You never stop learning. I think that's why it's so fundamentally important to me is because I've seen what happens when you don't have an inclusive mindset. Maybe share a little bit about that. We definitely have different size businesses and, and it sometimes seems that smaller businesses buy in this a lot more than larger businesses. What are some of those benefits and impact that you feel like you've seen in your own career and that being your focus? The work is better. The outcomes are stronger. And I think you actually are more successful. I, it's been proven. Stock prices go up. Sales go up when you actually have diverse thinking and what you're doing. I used to see a group of white guys in a room brainstorming a new product launch for women of color. That doesn't make sense. You have to be inclusive in how you're putting teams together to produce the best work. And I've seen it. Yes, we're a smaller boutique agency, but some of our clients are some of the biggest brands in the world. I've seen some of these CEOs who transform their leadership teams to be much more inclusive. And then how that team inclusive team translates different practices across different businesses. And then they're seeing better results. I've seen it work in all sizes. It could come down to a CEO mandating it from a business strategy. It can also be how do you do day-to-day things and speak up in a meeting and challenge something. Big and small, it's a mindset. I think having a sense of awareness is always the first step. But for me, it's so fundamentally how we work. At this stage, I don't know how not to work this way. Do you seek out companies that naturally gravitate towards that thought process? Or have you you made it any part of your mission to transform companies that may not naturally be there? I think it's both. Our job is to be consultants and to give advice. Some of our brands take it, some of them don't. I had a new client that we brought on that knowing who we are and how we work, they said, we think what you're doing is great. We think your communications approach and your strategy and the plan you put together in the RFP process was awesome. We need you to know, we don't know if we're going to be able to live up to what you might tell us to do with some of the recommendations relating to working the way you think we should work. And I said, look, everything is a process. I'm not expecting things to happen overnight, but our job is at least to give you the awareness of how to think a little bit differently and to challenge how you're working. And it'll evolve over time. If it doesn't, then that's the bridge we cross when we get there. But I think we work with some brands who live it every day. We work with some brands who are trying to do better. And we work with some brands that have some changes to make. And I don't try to jump up on soapboxes in the podcast, but what I think a good lesson coming from your story that would be great for especially a lot of up and coming agencies out there is one, how much impact you can have if you're driving someone's marketing and their visibility in the world that you do have this transformational power. Even in going back to the beginning of your story, starting with purpose and standing by all of your values that you bring to the table and don't be shy about that versus I think a lot of agencies start out and it's, can I get the business? I'll work with the devil if I have to, but give me the business. You're a great example. 
example of sticking by your guns from the get-go and, and how that's worked out for you. Not a question there, but I don't know if there's anything you can share or add to that from your own perspective. I would say yes to all that. I think we've come to a place where we're a certain size. We're boutique by design. I don't want to get bigger. We have a certain number of clients we work on and we are selective in, in who we work with. As an entrepreneur, the hardest thing to do is to say no. I've learned the power of no over only over the past couple of weeks. I'm working on this with my coach to learn how to say no, because there are some assignments that don't make sense for us. There are some assignments that they're not right. As I said, I built the whole company on my instinct. If I meet someone and we don't vibe, we don't do it. I think we're in a fortunate enough position that we have clients. Most of our clients have been with us since the beginning. And to keep PR clients for over four years, that's not normal. I know that. We have very deep relationships because we serve as extensions of their team. But yeah, I think right now I'm learning the power of no. And I want to continue to work with brands that I think are like-minded, but then also brands that I think we can, that they you can see innately they want to be better. They want to do better and they want someone to give them some perspective. We have a couple of those clients right now that are, we're very excited about. Yeah, it's been fascinating, completely unprovoked. If I had to point out a common theme and in, in so many folks I've had on the show recently, it's the no word. And I think back in my own journey and it was very significant as well. What did we start saying Hard. no to? And that balance too of sometimes it coming from a place of luxury when you're not as stressed out about other things. But by gosh, if you can say no as early on in the process, folks, Jennifer and I are telling you it works out for your benefit. Stay the course. We'll have to have you back on once you've mastered this art of no, and then we can do a whole episode of the, the, the sway effect and no. That's going to be a work in progress because <laughs> I've started doesn't mean I'm comfortable yet. I've started. Right. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Good perspective. You hinted at it a little bit, but I don't know if there's anything to add to when you think about the long term big picture of this business, where are you trying to take it? I like where we are right now. I like where we are right now. I want to keep doing good work. The cool thing is none of our clients are in the same industry. We literally have 15 clients. Each of them are in a different industry. I want to keep growing into new industries and continuing to do good work and honestly growing my team and continuing to find great people that I want to work with each and every day. I don't have big ideas of grandeur to go double the size of the agency. I, I like what we're doing now and I just want to keep doing it. You don't want to spread your good karma to as many people as possible is enough <laughs> yeah. all right fair enough i'm sure by being on the show today you've already spread some of it i'm sure there's other ways you can do it without as you said having to double your size or anything like that last big question for you jennifer are entrepreneurs born or are they made i think they're made i also think that there has to be a certain part of you that is made to be an entrepreneur so i think it's a little bit made but i also think it has to be part of who you are all it's right. a loaded answer made was where i went to but then i also think the other side of it is you have to have the nature and the thick skin to do this. Not easy. Amen to that. If people want to know more about The Sway Effect, where can they go? They can go to our website, www.theswayeffect.com and check us out. There you have it, folks. Thank you so much for your time today, Jennifer. It was an absolute pleasure to get to speak with you and so many great insights. Love your story from beginning to not the end, but to the present and where the future goes for you. Thank you so much for sharing that today and being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of an Agency Story podcast, where we share real stories of marketing agency owners from around the world. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Send an email to podcast at performancefaction.com. An Agency Story is brought to you by Performance Faction. Performance Faction offers services to help agency owners grow their business to $5 million and more in revenue. To learn more, visit Performance Faction.com.
We launched a candy brand in Grand Central over the summer, and we put an egg in the middle of Grand Central because the candy was made from dinosaurs, and dinosaurs come from eggs. And we had to explain to everyone why we were launching an egg in the middle of Grand Central in the summer. And then the egg opened up, and there were people in hats, mat suits, and actors. It was a trip, but it was very entertaining. Like, we're talking like a giant egg, or are we talking like what? Like what's the visual here? I thought because when you think about the perspective, you think it's going to be. I thought it was going to be a massive egg. Ooh, that's right. why it's funny. <laughs> yes. Boy, is this for a candy brand? It was a candy brand uh, that launched in Grand Central over the summer. Okay. And then curiosity, because this is very unique. Is this is people mulling around, minding their own business and this all happens? Or is this like a timed event or something like that? We had a moment where the egg opened and the candy came out and people ran up to the egg to get the candy. Then people were standing around literally dying for this candy all day long. I had a woman literally push me aside so she could take a picture of the egg as it opened. Huh. I, I couldn't believe it. People will okay. do anything for free stuff. <laughs> I guess so. Aside on scene, just, hey, candy pops out. I don't know if it's any good. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it works. Sounds like a good event.